Blog Talk Radio. we on the air? <laughs> I was always dying to say that. Sorry. Sorry. I know that sounds corny. Uh, this is the LMP Show, Late Night Parent Radio. We're back again Wednesday, January 14th. Uh, it could be a.m., afternoon, p.m., evening, overnight, when you're listening to the show. Um, we'd like to thank everyone. Uh, as I mentioned before, I'm Ted Hicks. You can catch me on Twitter as Real Ted Hicks. Uh, you can catch some ways to catch us real quick. Facebook.com, Late Night Parents. On Twitter, you can catch us at Late Night Parent. The website is LateNightParents.com. We want to thank all of our listeners near and far. Those of you listening on our podcast, we appreciate you as much. The live listeners, number is 347. Eight five seven one nine four seven. That number again three four seven eight five seven one nine four seven. To our live listeners tonight, eight p.m. Eastern time that are listening in, we want to thank our radio partners. The group continues to expand. Um, we're grateful for it, feeling blessed about it. Um, I guess who's new in the queue this week is NGSC Sports. Um, Got to say a special shout-out to TRS 24-7 Radio. You'll be hearing from Lisa Stern shortly, um, one of our new partners. And uh, RF Sports Radio has picked us up. As you know, the LNP show is not a sports show. It's um, an everything show. It's a dad show. It's a family show. It's a mom show. Uh, we do touch upon a little bit of sports, a little bit of parenting, uh, really a lot of parenting, some technology, lifestyles, education, product reviews, all of the above. So as I mentioned, happy to be here. Looking forward to tonight's guest. And the lineup is as follows. We have three very interesting um, guests that are going to be joining us. Two of them you're, you are familiar with. First up in the queue, Alicia Stern, um, and she's going to talk about parenting, lifestyles, and providing insight on supporting the indie artist. Hang on one second. As I mentioned before, supporting the indie artist, which is so important. Um, next up in the queue, we have Rich Valdez, who's going to talk about the state of streaming media. And for all of you who are like, what? What are you talking about? This just basically covers the methods. If you're interested in cutting the cord, there's some devices that are out there that will allow you to get to some of your favorite shows without, you know, the commercials and advertisements and all of the above. Um, next up, we have we talk a little NFL. We talk a little NFL with none other than Bucko Bruce. That's Kevin Grigsby. He's going to provide his picks for this Sunday NFL Championship Sunday. Kind of excited about that. It's always good to have. Um, New folks come in here, so we got a little bit of New York in in the house this evening with Alicia and Rich, and we're going to go all the way to, we like to say, um, Tampa, Florida, via Atlanta, Georgia, with Bucko Bruce. So we're going to talk a little, like as I mentioned, we're going to talk a little NFL, 
um, at the end of the show. So our guests are slated for roughly about 5, 25, and 45 minutes past the hour. I see the first person in the queue, and I think it's my new friend, Alicia Stern. And we're going to bring her on live right now. Alicia, how are you doing? Hi, Ted. I'm doing great. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you so much for joining us tonight and just, you know, I guess willing to, someone who's willing to be a victim. No, excuse me. I mean, a guest of the l and <laughs> show. I'm just joking. <laughs> I was we willing. <laughs> I know, and, and it's kind of like every week with the great thing about the show, Alicia, is um, I kind of wait and see how I can botch up an interview, but um, I think <laughs> we have, <laughs> I think we can have, we have all bases covered with you, but um, I guess we'll get into it. I mean, just if you can explain to our listeners, whether they're listening live or those that are listening through a podcast, who is Alicia Stern? Hi, sure. Um, well, first of all, thank you. So I'm, I'm honored to be on your show. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, Alicia oh, Stern is uh, me, obviously. I'm a New Yorker. And um, trade, I'm a journalist. But by love of career, I'm a publicist. And um, I've been, a, I'm actually a, a published author. I have several children's books out. And I've been, I guess, published since 1998, 99. That's wow. I started getting noticed, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so it's been a long, it's been a long haul. And um, I guess a couple of years ago, I decided that, you know, I had gotten to a point where I wanted to give back and I wanted to pay it forward, all the experience that, that I learned. So I, you know, started dabbling in representing musicians. I have a love for music. And uh, that started off really well, and um, it's still going well. Now we represent uh, corporate offices and businesses and restaurants. And I do a lot of writing, uh, biographies. Um, I've done some celebrity bios, and so it's a lot of fun. So really what I am, I'm a writer, but I'm a publicist. But I'm also a mom. I have twins. They're a boy girl. They're 11 years old. So I'm a mom first, writer, and a publicist. Uh, you, you know what? Along with that, because that's kind of a, a trick question that I usually ask everyone every week, and guess what? You passed. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> proud of you. Because, Thank I mean, you. With us, what's so important is we're all parents first. Right. You know, among, amongst our portfolios, amongst all the titles that we hold and carry and all the, 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 the people that we actually help with parents first. So I, I guess um, now that you've introduced yourself, I just want to get right into it and ask you about Don't Eat the Crayons. Oh, Don't Eat, no, the, Crayons. No. Don't Eat the Crayons is such a great book. I wrote that, um, I wrote it, I think, in 2005 when the twins were, it's actually a true, well, it's not really a true story, but. The twins were once, uh, I was feeding them and uh, dinner, and then, you know, I, feed, I was fed, they always ate before me. And then uh, I would give them an activity to do so that I can eat. And I had fed them dinner, and then I gave them crayons, the color. And by the time I heated up my dinner and I sat down, I looked at them, they were eating the crayons. So I said, don't eat the crayons, you know, and they started giggling and laughing. And the, the story takes the beginning of it, it's true. And then it's just written in a Dr. Seuss sort of rhyme, which the majority of my books are, and um, it's a great story, again, written in 2005, and um, I changed the name, though, because right around that, having twins, I started to realize I can't name my my kids, Jack and Sophia, I can't put them in every single book because of bullying. I didn't want them to grow up, and you know, for me, because I, I do a book tour across the uh, tri-state area. I perform in schools, charities, and daycare centers, uh, you know, for children's age K through 5. Volunteer to do their school. And I said, you know what? When they get older and I'm volunteering in their school with their peers, they're going to get made fun of or bullied for eating crayons or whatever I make the characters of my books do. It's, you know, it's going to reflect on them. And that's how I came up with my character line, Mason, Maggie, and Spencer. So Don't Eat the Crayons is 
a book about Mason and Maggie and their adventures of eating crayons and what happens to them when they do. Excellent. Excellent. Um, Alicia, we, since your portfolio is so vast, we're going to just jump around from topic to topic. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> next topic is um, you and I, I, I think we've been friends on Twitter for a while and we yeah. chatted in the past, but something came up on my Twitter timeline about Sprint. Sprint ah. and possible problems and share with us your story, or I don't want to say your horror story, but share with, share with us your story about Sprint. Okay. Uh, let me, I'll try to be very nice about Sprint. Um, <laughs> I have been a Verizon carrier for many years. I, I mean, I'm talking, I had my first cell phone back in the 90s. I was in my 20s, I think. When, when they first came out, I had one. And then um, I forget what carrier it was, but when Verizon, I picked up a Verizon phone. I had Verizon forever, since before 9-11. And recently, Chris had said to me, the bill had gone up drastically. And he said, hey, Sprint has this great ad out. They'll buy out your contract, and, you know, you only pay like $65 a month. So we had gone to Sprint. I got approved for the deal, and I started with Sprint. And it was nothing but a nightmare. And then recently, my, one of the twins, my daughter, who's 11, has been begging us for a cell phone. So I said, fine, we'll get you a cell phone. So I called Sprint, and I added it to the line, and we had set an agreement that was set. Uh, I, was at, I was driving the car when we did this. It was like a last-minute Christmas present. And, um, and by the time I got home, I checked the emails. I got the emails. Uh, oh, and I hand-free drive. I have it it's in my car. Just, just, just so everybody's like, she's driving and talking. It's built into my car, <laughs> so it's hand-free driving, just so everybody knows. Okay. And, um, yeah. So by the time I got home, I got everything on the email, went back. But then when I got the first bill, it was nothing that we had agreed on. All these extra charges came out of nowhere. And and I had a call. I actually yelled at them, and I felt terrible because I'm not a yeller. So I I called them, and I yelled at them. And um, the best they could do was give me $25 off the bill. But because I had – I was able to take the – I guess the customer service person who sold me the package incorrectly, I was able to take her to file a complaint against her, and I only got $25 off the bill, but my package went from being an extra $40, which was agreed on, to an extra $120, which I did not agree on, and there was nothing I can do. So I'm still trying to figure that out now, if that makes any sense. That's kind of it in a nutshell. It sounds long-winded, but there's an extra, I mean, hundred and no, an extra seventy, eighty dollars in a monthly bill that I wasn't expecting. Uh, shame on you, Sprint. Shame yeah. on you. And I actually have a contact person that you can speak with. Oh, really? Okay, uh, excellent. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, I, you know how I know I'm correct because the minute I hung up the phone and the minute I replied to the email when I got home, they text messaged me. Congratulations, your new family plan, your bill will be an extra $40 a month, blah, blah, blah. I got about four of those. So to say, oh, an extra $40 a month, okay, plus insurance brings about $51 a month. To get the bill and it's 120 more a month, there was something. There was a big mistake made. So thank you for the number. You can text it to me. No problem, no problem. So I guess the next topic that I'm going to have for, and we were speaking with Alicia Stern um, from TRS247.com. Um, I don't know, so I'll, I'll just put it out here in, in this type of format. Tell us about 247, um, TRS247.com and you know two, TRS247 with Chris and Alicia. Sure. Um, TRS stands for the Rendezvous Show. I had marketed that years ago. And then when we were incorporating the PR company a couple, year, a couple years after that, we, we decided to keep the Rendezvous Show but just shorten it to TRS. And because the radio station runs 24-7, it's TRS 24-7. And it's a great platform. We interview a lot of celebrities, actors, musicians, sports players, we um, we allow indie artists to mail us 
uh, via email. They're MP3s, and we promote them. We play their music for free, and what else? I don't know. We we have a lot of great. I mean, this year we got to interview Lisa Loeb, Melissa Etheridge. Um, we had Air Supply on. We had. Um, I mean, I've been with TV Nicks. Um, I was at the VH1 taping with um, Carrie Underwood. We did her. At, wow. Um, what was that? VH1 Unplugged. I was that. I mean, Tiki Barber. Down. No, not Daryl Strawberry. I don't. Just so many sports players and and guys. You know who we we befriended? Um, Drake from the Black Sheep. I wrote his bio oh, for okay. him. And he, oh my God, what a nice man. It's so nice. He tweeted it out to a couple times. If you need a bio, she did mine. Go to Alicia Stern. What a nice man. And uh, just, you know, all the freestyle artists that we interview. So it's, uh, it's great. It's a great platform for people to get hurt. That's really what it is. What are some of the problems or some of the issues? that these artists come to you with, like what's the most common situation, let's say if someone contacts you from a publicist standpoint, that's Alicia um, Stern, the publicist. So an indie artist approaches you and says, hey, I just want airplay or, hey, I just want exposure. What, I mean, what are most of these indie artists looking for? I mean, I know they want to be signed, but yeah. what are some of the their their issues that they run into as they as they come towards you? There's a couple there's a couple different issues. One is the money. They don't have the financing to most of them most of them do, but some of them don't have the financing to actually master their track. Uh they don't understand how to label the MP3s correctly. Um they they they're, I just have such a heart for the indie artist, you know, because I at one point was an indie writer for years, you know, and um, I have such a heart for them. But it's mostly the money. It's getting their tracks mastered because a track, if it's if it's grainy sounding or it's not put together, if it's not smooth, if it's not solid, no one wants to listen to it. If there's too much of an intro, no one wants to listen to it. It has to be so catchy in the first five seconds and then to the first 15 seconds. So one to five, and then five to 15. After that, we'll shut it and move on to the next one. But um, it's being different. It's trying to be, like we had one artist, and he was going for a photo shoot. And I said, listen, put a suit on, grab a cigar, go somewhere, do something so classy that like a regular hip-hop artist wouldn't do. Stick out. He did, let me tell you, he came out hot. He was amazing. I mean, this guy—I couldn't believe the pictures. They were beautiful. He stood out, and that's a one. A lot of the artists—they want to be like their their idols or their the people that that feel maybe they represent down like, but they get stuck in like uh, like um, how do I say this? Like there's too many sheep. Like there's not any lone wolf, you know. And it's always the one that stands out and does something different. But a lot of the artists are afraid to do something different. And I think that's a challenge for them is their fear. Some of them go right out and, and do wild things and stuff, but not wild enough where it's going to be eye-catching to somebody that's looking to to produce a brand or a track, if that makes any sense. It totally makes sense. Yeah. i got to bring up a topic because we're, we're both native New Yorkers. Um, yes. I'm out here... Long Island. Uh, are you in the city or are you out in Nassau, Suffolk? I was on Long Island. Now we're in Queens. Okay. Okay. So something that impacts you a little bit more than impacts me because I'm out here on the island, but it impacts all of us as, as New Yorkers. And I'm going to say something that most of us as parents, we've, we've sat and we've talked about and we said, okay, the mayor of the city of New York, the beef that's going on with the police department. I, yeah. You're very vocal on Twitter about it. Yeah. Um, I guess, and we all know, you know, with the, the officers, Lou and Ramos, that, that, that lost their lives. I mean, we, we know a lot with, with Eric Garner. Yeah. Very touchy, hot subject. But it's yeah. it's what's happening in New York, and if you can give me your view on 
do you think the mayor can ever make it right with the New York Police Department? You know, at this point, I don't know. I just read an article this morning that Giuliani uh, just came out, I think, at noon today, uh, that Giuliani made a statement. He doesn't think so. You know, at this point, I don't know. And it's not just the police. It's the families of police. Are there bad apples? Of course. There are bad journalists. There are bad doctors. There are bad lawyers. I mean, priests, there are pedophiles that are priests. In every category of life, there are bad people. And unfortunately, caught on tape were maybe some bad apples, you know, in a couple different police departments. In New York, it really hit home. And um, I just feel like if you if, if you would, and I'm sure you did, you tuned into the, the eulogies at Ramos yes. and Lou's, you know, funerals. Yes. They were angels. And I can get, I, and I'll, I'll be honest, I stick up for the Leos because half my family are Leos. You know, my friends are Leos. You know, I, I'm a blue collar, I grew up blue collar, you know, so I'm all for law enforcement. I, I still drive with my hands at 10 and 10. Like I, I abide by the law. I, I try not to break any rules. If I break them, I don't know it. But, um, but like, I'm all for the officers. And sure, there are a couple bad ones, but the majority are such good, caring people. And I think it's terrible that Mayor de Blasio categorized an entire police force with a handful of bad apples or a handful of horrible incidents. Because, yeah, they got caught on tape, they went public, but that doesn't, that's not the majority of the 25,000 cops that are out there that, you know, are really want to make the community safe, that really want to impact people, you know. And I just didn't think it's fair. I, 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 didn't, I don't think it's fair at all. And I, not a lot of New Yorkers do. And I think he owes New Yorkers an apology as well as the NYPD. He slapped us all in the face. We had to sit back and watch him disrespect the police. I mean, I remember when Giuliani was the mayor, he, you know, he always stuck up for the police no matter what. And if there was an incident, say, okay, we're going to investigate this and then but he stuck up for the force as a whole. The Blasio didn't. He just threw everybody under the bus. And that hurt me as a, someone who supports law enforcement. That hurt me. That hurt all of our family, all of our friends. You you heard them in the graduation. All the family members tackled him. I mean, he, he hurt New York, not just the police. That's my input. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and I'll follow up by saying two things. There's two things that you, two hashtags we all saw on Twitter, Black Lives Matter and All yes. Lives Matter. Yeah. You know, and, and I think we focus on it's all lives. And yeah. there was an incident last night in um, – Staten Island, and it was a very horrific incident, Alicia, and I'm not sure if you, you noticed it. It was um, reported on TV this morning. There was a young African-American boy that was stabbed in his head, but he ran away. And what – now, a, a heinous act like that, yes, the boy is okay, but what we noticed was in Staten Island you had civilians and you had – NYPD all working together to find the person that did this. And oh, I'm not wow. saying we have to have situations like that, but that healing process between the communities and the police department, it's going to happen and it can't be forced. It has to happen organically. I so, I mean, I, I'm hoping that the mayor can somehow make it right. Yeah. Or, or, or Pat Lynch and company can do something or come to some form of agreement to say, okay, let's push this past us, let's work together. Because in the end, it's us, the people that use the services of, you know, the police department. And I, I see them every day when I'm in Penn Station going to work, and I'm like, you know what, um, right about the time when everything was happening, I looked and I said, man, He's this police officer protecting us, and it's a thankless job. It's a thankless job. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't think more of us, you know, across the nation, you know, not just NYPD, I'm just going to say law enforcement and, and, and as a whole, we need to support them. But, uh, Alicia, I, I got to tell you, there was so much stuff that we covered tonight. I want to thank you for joining us. And we got to get you to come back because, you know, 
we're going to do everything behind the scenes to get on TRS24x7.com. Uh, I um, would love it. Chris and I are talking about that. <laughs> yes, fingers crossed. We'll know. I, I'm actually going to give you a call tomorrow so we can talk. Okay. Okay, that sounds re- great. Off the record. <laughs> off the record. Off the record. Yeah, off, off the air. Record. There's no recording or anything else like that. <laughs> I got. I got to tell you, thank you so much for for joining us tonight. But before you go, sure. um, we wanted to ask you the best way of getting in contact with you via social media. Of course, it's Twitter. <laughs> I am a Twitter. I. A Twitter whore. I love Twitter. It is my favorite. Since I joined that, I think I joined three years ago, and I was like, whoa, this blows Facebook out of the water. I've loved it ever since. I love Twitter. So it's at Alicia Stern, and you can spell my name A-L-Y-S-I-A-S-T-E-R-N. And no, I'm not related to Howard, but everybody that always asks me. We want to give a one-time round of applause for Alicia Stern. Alicia, thank thank you so much, and we will be talking tomorrow, okay? Yes, Ted, you got it. Thank you, and and hello. I'll be listening to the two other guests. Many blessings, and God bless all of you. All right, thank you. God bless. All right, that was Alicia Stern. Um, Covered so many topics uh, from lifestyle, parent, blogger, publicist, writer, uh, network owner, um, <laughs> programming director, you name it. Um, so it was great to speak with Alicia. Um, we're going to go for a quick break. And once we get back from the break, we're going to be speaking about Rich Valdez about the state of streaming media. We'll be right back. We're back. Before we bring on Rich, we're going to talk really quickly about Icy Hot Smart Relief. Did you know that 31 million Americans experience lower back pain at any given time? And for those who suffer from generic chronic pain, the lower back pain is the most common plagued area. And guess who's America's number one trusted pain reliever, Icy Hot? And they've launched the Icy Hot Smart Relief. It's a device to combat the medical problem that impacts so many Americans each year. Some benefits uh, to Icy Hot Smart Relief, it's compact in size, drug-free, over-the-counter availability, easy to use and remove, and requires no assembly. Safe to use all day and will automatically shut off after 30 minutes. It's affordable price range and available in grocery stores and drug stores. And large retailers like Walmart and Target. That is the Icy Hot Smart Relief. All right. Icy Hot Smart Relief, you got your plug to the PR team. Thank you so much for the um, review item. Uh, Without further ado, we're going to bring on um, technologist, uh, strategist, leader of men, salt of the earth. None other. My father's son. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on, Rich? What's up, Ted? How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. It's it's always good to speak to, like I said, our first guest, Alicia Stern, was a New Yorker, and you're also a New Yorker, and I guess New York is in the house tonight, but we're going to talk about the state of streaming media, and a lot of people have – you know, kind of sent me direct messages. What are you guys talking about? What's happening? What's new? Um, All right. Rich, when I 
the state of streaming media, and I don't even let's just say I don't even mention Chromecast versus Fire versus Apple TV, all of the above. Um, what do you what What does it mean to you? What does it mean to the novice or the person coming off the street that is like a, an end user, end users that we deal with every day? I want to turn well, it over to you. First of all, let me say thank you, Ted. Always a pleasure talking to you. You know that, and uh, Alicia. That sounds like one very, very busy woman. She's going places, that's for sure. Uh, look forward to, to working with her and talking with her in the future as well. Streaming media, what does that mean to the, to the end user? For them, it just means being able to get their content, be it you know, movies, music, video, whatever the case, they, they, whatever it is, getting it on their personal device without necessarily having to be connected to a wire or without having to have that DVD right there and not having to have the, the, the file on the USB. They want to be able to get it there and connect to it somehow. It means to most people, I think. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I, I, will, I will say this much. When I think of streaming media, I kind of think of there's – there's two different types. There's the, the devices, which are available that we, 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 we're going to talk about, and then there's services that are kind of out there in the cloud. So I right. guess we'll jump in first into the devices, the Chromecast or the Fire or the Apple TV. What are some of your thoughts first, on, on those services? Let me say, first, I, I did not get to do – like to get a hold of an Apple TV, but I got a hold of a Roku. So I'm still going to talk about all three. And uh, okay. I was able to do, we'll be talking specifically on the sticks, you know, the small devices plug right back into the HDMI port on the back of your TV and some stream, different methods, but that they all have their own ways of connecting and getting that media to your device. So I guess I'll start with what they have in common. So, again, these are all, we're talking, like you said, the Roku stick, uh, the Google Chromecast, and the Amazon Fire Stick, all right? They're all about the same. Okay. They're all, you know, maybe like a, a two-and-a-half-inch, three-inch long little USB-type size-type device. Uh, a couple of them have a, an LED on them and a reset button. One of them doesn't. We'll go into that. They all plug into the back of your TV. They all can use uh, power from the USB port if your TV has one, and they'll come with an extension cable to do that. Otherwise, they also do come with an AC adapter. So if you've got your setup already in where, you know, all your wires are hidden and the outlets are already on the wall behind your TV and you don't have anything available, this, you know, could present a little challenge because you're going to have some more wires showing. But, again, they'll work off the USB power, but that can also uh, introduce some, some minor, I won't call them issues, but just that will introduce some, some items for when you turn your devices on. So they all stream. So everyone, the, the big players, they all support. All of them support Netflix, of course. All of them support YouTube, Hulu Plus, uh, Showtime, Flickster, Crackle. Uh, Sports-wise, they all support uh, Watch ESPN, MLB for music. They all support Pandora, um, iHeart, Vivo, um, and some other streaming like utilities, they all support. There's one called Plex, is like the most popular one, and they all support that. Now, when you start getting into them, I guess I'll begin. I'm going to work backwards. I'm going to work from what uh, I got to say. What was my least favorite to my most favorite? So, for me, and that's not to say that any of them was bad. They all have their their strengths. They all have their weaknesses. But for me. So we're looking at prices, prices ranging from about $50 to $35. So there's not a, a huge price break between these devices. They all are going to say really about the same. Um, I'm going to start talking about the, the Google device first. Um, that's the cheapest one price-wise. 35 bucks is their MSRP. You could probably get it for 30 or, or a little less. Um, one of the differences, the, the Google device, requires that you have like an iPad, iPhone, a, another device available to push the media 
to the device. So it's almost like it's constantly streaming it. The, the, the Google device doesn't have a separate remote. Uh, you do it all from the interface on the device. And so for me, and again, this is just a personal preference, if, if you remember, there was another company that had mobile devices recently, well, a couple of years ago, and they were coming out with their own big playbook, but it required that you had to have that their, their device along with it. This is the same thing. You can't use it without another device, uh, which means, yeah, which means you're sitting there in your living room or wherever you're looking at the, uh, your media, you've got your phone in your hand, you've got your tablet in your hand, and I, you're worse than me. I know when, they, if you've got your phone in your hand, that means messages are going to be coming in, phone calls are going to be coming in, and, you know, that's going to interrupt, the, you know, your few moments of enjoyment, that few moments of peace and quiet. So for me, that's uh, an issue, but still, it works. It's it's not a deal breaker necessarily. Um, one thing about the Google Play, and it kind of stands for all of them. Let's just say that you have a lot of your media already stored in Google Cloud. You're already using Google Drive. You're already using Google Media, Google Music, Google Video. This fits right in. Turn this thing on. Let it download its updates. Get the app installed. Log into your, your Google account, and you have access to all your media right away. So it works. And from, from that respect, it works really, really well. Um, like I said, it does have a little status light on it, so when you plug it into the back of the TV, it lights up so you know you're active. There is a button on it just in case it locks up so you can reset it. But this is all behind the scenes, so you know when, it, when things are working, it's packed in magically and, and no one knows it, that anything else is going on. Um, it's, you know, set up on it was, was simple enough. Basically, I mean, they, they call it real plug-and-play, and it, it pretty much was. You turn it on, it throws the screen up on your TV. Of course, you have to make sure you've got the correct HDMI input selected, uh, but it throws a message up on your TV. You go through the process where it downloads the apps. I might have taken five, ten minutes, and, and I was done. Um, it supports all the major, the YouTube, Pandora's, HBOs, all the apps are there. Um, video quality on it was great for the native apps um, where I did see some issues that what it, again, like I said, what it does is it's pulling everything from the cloud. So it's not looking, even if you have media on your phone or on your mobile device, it's not going to take that media and push it and display it. It's got to pull everything down from the cloud. So, well, let me take it back a little bit. You can do that, but that requires you install some third-party apps. It's not a... Um, a Google Chromecast native feature, or they don't have a native app for it, which is kind of strange because you figure, all right, I'm, I'm casting from my mobile device. Why can't I just throw my picture up there? You, you can't do it. Um, you know, I mean, it's, and anything on your network, it sees it. It runs over your Wi-Fi, but it also, during setup, it actually does create its own little hotspot. That's how it establishes the initial connection. So, like I said, the quality, video quality on the, on the Chromecast using the apps, it's it's fantastic. There, there's no questions about it. But if you do this thing that they call screen mirroring, which that's the closest thing you might get to showing your, your video or showing your own media. So what it does is, is it allows you to display what's in your browser and push that to the TV. So let's say there is some video service that they don't have an app for, but you can still see it on your device you can tell it to stream that out to your device, but the, the video quality kind of suffers because really your phone, your laptop, whatever the case may be, is turning into a, its own little broadcast and it's you know pushing to the Chromecast. So video quality kind of suffers uh, a little bit there. But, you know, that's to be expected, I guess. It's it's converting the signal. It's, making, it's taking care of all of that. So, I mean, that's, again, for me, that's basically it. If you're... Everything is in the Google world. The Chromecast is probably a good choice for you. It's not the only choice, but it's a good choice. And I can I can see why a person would go that route. Okay, okay. So I, I just want to jump in because um, I can tell you a few things about our, our wonderful world and, and Apple the Apple TV is like $99 and probably the most expensive device because it's Apple, right? I mean, I well, partially because it's Apple. <laughs> yeah, well, that's crazy. You know, it's, but that's also because the Apple TV is a full standalone device. It's almost not 
fair to compare the sticks to that because that's even, you know, the, the Roku, the Roku stick is only fifty bucks, but that's also the price of their lowest end, you know, lo- their lowest end. We'll call it mid-range device. You know, you can get a Roku two for fifty bucks, or Roku one, excuse me, for fifty bucks, and then that goes all the way up to there, the Roku three, which I want to say is ninety nine. But don't quote me on that. I have, I'd have to look at it. And and that's different. There's more to it. You know, the the full scale devices, more memory, bit more processing power. Um, gotcha. That's almost not a fair uh, a fair you know comparison there. But the Apple, you know, the Apple TV. I would say the same thing. If you're fully ingrained in the Apple universe, and that's where all your media is, and you know you've you've got your library of a thousand songs you've purchased, and that's where you know in iCloud. Go with Apple TV. It's going to do the same things that, you know, they have the same apps, all the big, the big 10 or 15 video sources and streaming sources. You'll connect to there. You'll be able to, to display them, and the quality will be awesome. So there's, there's nothing wrong with that either. So so you're telling me if I'm drinking the Kool-Aid and totally just caught in the, the Apple ecosystem, it's fine. Because if I'm just all about iTunes radio and iTunes match and everything else, then I'll I'll just be fine with it. You'd be fine with it. You can put on your black turtleneck and your, your horn rim glasses, you know, your wire rim glasses, and, and you're good. <laughs> um, I, I, I got to say where it's kind of lacking is, it's, you know, it's fewer apps and features than Roku. You yeah. know, there's no games or, or cross-platform search, and it's just iTunes-centric from what well, I've seen with, with Apple TV. That's what it's going to be. Now, you know, we're going down that route. So you mentioned the search, and, yeah, I mean, if we look at the next two, you know, the Amazon Fire. Amazon's nice device. It, it really is. It's, it's closer. It's got a cleaner interface. And that's one of the things I should have mentioned as well with the, the Google device. It doesn't have its own interface, really. I mean, if you're not in this, again, with your handheld device, there's really nothing you're going to do or look at or see on this. Roku, it is, you know, you have an actual remote that comes with the Roku device. You have an actual remote that comes with the Amazon device. Um, you mentioned gaming. The Amazon device really, really supports games. There's a lot of games out there for the Amazon device, and they even went so far as to create a um, a controller that works with their device. It looks, you know, like your typical PlayStation-ish, Xbox-ish type controller, it also costs forty bucks, which which is the price of the Fire Stick. But you can actually get some decent gaming through that device, which is yeah, that's a nice option. For me, I think of it, you know, if I'm going to be sending one more kid to college in another six or seven months, and any of these devices really are the perfect thing to send with them because every school is going to have Wi-Fi in their dorm. You set them up. You give them, your, you know, you give them the login so they can connect to your Netflix accounts, your Hulu accounts, whichever you want them to be able to have access to, and they've got all the TV they need and all the entertainment they need, and it's only going to cost you an extra forty bucks, which you know, not a bad deal at all. Rich, we're going to have to have you come back because, uh, you know, this was helpful, and uh, you know, understanding the subscription services that are out there. But I, I think we're going to have to have you come back and walk us through how do we actually cut the cord, because I, I, I'm kind of you know I'm dipping my foot my feet slightly into the water and I, I'm I'm like okay I can go with this and I can be happy and I can get away from that monthly bill, so we, we definitely have to have you come back here and take us through the next step as we get to the point where we tell cable and everyone else to you know go jump in the lake. And, and, <laughs> Uh, I know we got. We probably have another guest on hold, so I'll make it brief. Uh, cutting the cord to, to fully do it, you, you've got to be willing to give up something. I mean, we live in a major metropolitan area, so you can get high def over the air with the correct antenna. Um, you right. still need to maintain some subscriptions because if you don't have that HBO subscription at some extent through your provider, then you right. can't use HBO Go. You, you can't completely cut it, but you can certainly cut it down. Ah, okay. So there's no way to actually say goodbye, totally. Well, you're going to get something oh, up. Like, well, and, uh, okay. Of course, the, the caveat to that statement is legally. Okay. <laughs> 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 right. 
Rich, we're going to give you a one time right now. Rich, what's the best way to get in contact with you via social media? Uh, social media, I, Twitter is probably the best way now. So it is Richie underscore V. That is R I C H I E. I'm sorry, Richie V underscore N Y. R I C H I E V underscore N Y. That's me. Uh, you can tell, throw me a shout out on Facebook if you want, the real Richie V. Or you can even send me a Gmail, Richie V at gmail.com. That's me. Got you, Rich. Thanks so much for coming through, and you, you know we're going to be in touch. Oh, absolutely. Fed, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And um, I'll be looking forward to sit back and listen to your next guest, too. All right. Thanks again. And that was Richie V discussing the state of streaming media. We talked about the Chromecast versus the, the Amazon Fire, Roku, Apple TV, and the first steps on how to cut the cord. Next up, we're going to have personal friend of mine, I mean, and they're all personal friends, but this one is uh, holds deep and dear to my heart. Um, we're going to have a quick break, and we're going to come back with none other than the original Bucko Bruce. And we're back. I, I, there's not much I can introduce when I say the original Bucko Bruce, Bucko Bruce 83, is in the building right now. Um, you might know him on Facebook as Ke- Kevin Grigsby. I know him solely as Bucko Bruce. He tells it like it is. <laughs> He's going to tell us about the state of the NFL. Um, He's going to talk about – he's going to give us his picks for NFL Championship Sunday, but a lot of folks were in. I mean, Bucko Bruce is never ineligible. He's always eligible. And that's our shout-out to uh, the Ravens and the Patriots and Bella Cheat. Bucko, what's going yeah. on? Hey, man. It's a lovely day, man. It's always good to sit down with one of the greats, Mr. Ted. Oh, man. How are you tonight, Let's sir? Pretty good. Let's get through some business first before we talk about some football. How's you and okay. the family doing? The missus is doing. How's she coming along? Oh, man, we're, we're almost there. For 49 more expected days until <laughs> the third member of the of the Bucko family arrives. Um, oh. Still hoping and praying the doctors were wrong and missed that third leg, but uh, it's 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 looking like a foregone conclusion that I have my third daughter. So. Oh, uh, just crossing fingers and praying and hoping for a healthy, happy little girl. Uh, that's all I can do. <laughs> that's it. That's all we can. Hope. That's all we can hope and pray for. That a healthy, happy baby. So happy for you and the misses, and thank you, thank you. the big sisters. The big sisters that that are going to be watching over their little sisters. So with that, mm-hmm. Bucko, it was a great divisional weekend. Um, there were a couple of plays that everyone is continuously talking about. People were talking in, in Dallas. People were talking in Green Bay about the catch that wasn't the catch. You mm-hmm. had NFL, uh, the officials, their leadership. Everyone has jumped in to say, and I'm going to ask you this, yes or no, was it or was it not a catch? Well, was it a catch by my eyes, by my opinion? Yes. But by the letter of the rule, by the exact stating of what a completed catch in the act of falling is, no. You know, it's the same situation of what Calvin did and several other players have made. If you are in an act of falling to the ground, that is in no way a football move. You're falling down. Whether you reach your arms, whether you do YMCA in the act of falling down, that's not a football move. So, no, technically it was not a catch. But I think that rule is garbage. I think that was a catch, and that rule should not exist. But who am I? I'm just a guy. <laughs> Bucko, I think when the competition committee meets, is it safe to say that that rule is going to go bye-bye or it's going to get readdressed? Because yeah, on the yeah. biggest stage, on the biggest stage, 
on a Sunday when, when uh, you know, a team is turned away from the championship because of one play. And that's where I'm caught up is people are saying, oh, it's based on that one play. No, it isn't. It's not. It's not. Because, A, they weren't able to stop Aaron Rodgers in the second half anyway, and there was still a minute and 50 seconds left. They would have. They, they could have very easily went down there and got the game-winning field goal without a problem. Okay, so that doesn't guarantee they would have won that game. So let's not base it off on one play. And if you're going to live by the flag, you're going to die by the flag. Okay, just a week ago, they loved the refs, and now they want to crucify every one of them. Well, while I feel at the moment the officiating is probably at its worst ever, you would think with technology and having differences of opinion and expert officials on the sideline to help those officials as well, you have every avenue of getting it right at your disposal. Yet more so than ever, they're getting it wrong, and they're scrutinized heavily. And, you know, my least favorite person in this world, Roger Goodell, is going to do nothing about it. Nothing will change. <laughs> it will continue Buckle. to be this bad. Buckle, we're going to switch really quick to the coaching carousel. Um, yeah. Between Tom Sula going to the Niners, Del Rio mm-hmm. going to the, Ra- uh, to the Ravers, Raiders, you got my favorite, Rex Ryan, staying in the AFC East. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got... I, I know I know you were you were disgusted to see that. <laughs> I, I I was overjoyed. I was overjoyed. So thankful that Arthur Blank and the Falcons are just clueless and just, just totally dumb when it comes to football operation. Because they sat with that man for five hours and let him leave the building without a contract and I'm ever so grateful they did that. Uh, I feel bad for you that you still have to see him twice a year and he's going to destroy you as long as Donatello <laughs> Smith is your quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle, i got to ask you and say, okay, um, within the next 12 months, he's either going to be Todd Toilet Bowls or Todd Super Bowls. What would be your choice? This year, this season, with with an almost archaic, Chan Gailey calling plays who hasn't done anything productive at this level in, since I was a child, maybe, um, and with really a limited amount of talent offensively, I know the defense is going to be good. That That's never a concern in New York. It's the offense, and they're not really moving the meter for me and probably for you either. So I'm going to say for 2015 and 2016, I'm going to go with the toilet. But he has super ability. He's a great leader of men a great innovator on defense. I think if you get him the right pieces and Chan Gailey can dial up some plays, if you get some talent and some pieces, you'll be fine. You know what troubles me as a Jets fan, and I don't want to harp on the Jets folks, but I'm going to say the last time they had – the last time they were a top ten offense was 1998. That was the year Google was founded. That was 1998 was the last time they were in the top ten. I mean, I just Mm. feel like they just get a carbon copy, Bucko, of these coaches, defensive coaches. Why is it so hard not to to, to not pick an offensive coach? Well, look at the league, Ted. Look at the vacancies that have been filled. Every coaching hire that has been made so far has been of a defensive elk because, look at Seattle. There's a copycat league, man. Seattle has taken this league by storm. They, I believe, are the first team since the since the Patriots to win a Super Bowl and then turn around and be a number one seed in their conference in the next year. That's, that's almost unheard of this year, or in this age, excuse me. So what they're going to do is fortify a defense and hope to get lucky and get a third-round gym like a Russell Wilson or something to that effect. They're, you know, the offensive-minded coach is all fun and well. If you pay too much emphasis to one side of the ball, it's always better to be defensive-minded because you can win some games 10 to 13. You can't win too many 40 to 38 games. So <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go that way. I think during our barbershop days, I used to reference Don Coriel, Eric Coriel, with Dan Fouts, with these 45 to 42 games, and you're like, 
you know, I, I kind of just go back and I think, I'm like, oh, hey, that was a great, exciting game, but you can't win a Super Bowl that way. Yeah, and, and you as a fan would have a heart attack every week. Oh, man, am I going to score enough points? Well, I mean, you probably do now. But either way, um, no, I like Todd Bowles. I think he has a lot of upside. I'm glad he finally got a look. He's been overlooked and interviewed for uh, damn near a decade now. It's good to see him get a shot, and I think that he he is what you need. Woody, Woody and Rex as a team seem more media whorish to me versus in the business of winning football games. And now you got a soft-spoken but carry a big stick guy who's about playing games on the field and winning football games. I think that's a it's a good move for you to go in the opposite direction, but keep the same principle, if that makes any sense. I got one other question before we get to the picks, and I'm going to say, Bucko, in in 30 seconds or less, what happened with Doug Marone? Did he out? Did, I mean. Was he so smart that he outsmarted himself? No, no. I've read a lot of Doug Marone back from the Syracuse days because he was so highly spoke of. And Mike Williams, you know, when he was a Buccaneer, I read into that whole situation. He rubs people along the wrong way a lot. I heard he was an, you know, an egomaniacal type of dude, like my way or the highway type of situation. And he was trying to muscle up like a Chip Kelly and get full autonomy of power, wanted this, wanted that, did not like his roster, wanted to flip the whole roster, and he and management did not agree on certain terms, so he opted out. I personally am not a fan of people quitting on their team, um, and I think that's what he did. And I don't think he's going to land a job anytime soon because he has you know, burned a lot of bridges now by being an arrogant yeah. jerk. So that's what I read. I think last week he interviewed with five teams, and he's still unemployed but he's yeah. sitting on that $4 million payout, so it's not so bad. So we'll, we'll real quickly, we'll get into the picks. We'll go AFC first, and I'll say Colts, New, um, New England, um, three phases, offense, defense, special teams. Who pulls this one out? Special teams is the only category where I'd give the nod to Indianapolis. Uh, Josh Cribbs back there running kicks is adding a, a dynamic, but – Patriots being more disciplined on every facet and having Tom terrific there. And Andrew Luck's tendency to throw picks in the playoffs. Plus, the last time that they played him, I think they ran for – I think uh, Jonas Gray is still running for touchdowns right now from the last time they played. So, <laughs> give me New England to a tune of about 31-20. It's, it's not a close game at all. And I'll, I'll pose the same question, offense, defense, special teams. Green Bay traveling – so you know where, Century Link, to deal with the 12s. The 12. Um, I have a lot of vested interest in Green Bay this year. Picked them in August. Green Bay, New England was my August pick for the Super Bowl. So I, I stand to cash quite well if Green Bay pulls off the upset. I just can't. My heart wants them to win, but I can't do it. If I'm making the pick today, and Rodgers is limited, the offensive line is, is going up against their toughest defense. Um, special teams, it's about a wash. Offensively, wash, but defensively, Seattle has such a huge advantage. And so it's going to be a nail biter. By the 21 17 contest, Seattle will repeat as conference champion. Got you. Got you. Bucko, as you know, um, the Happy Hour Network is going to have a Super Bowl show on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, personally, I've done it you know, privately, both me and publicly want to invite you to the show to join us, whether you can jo join in for just a piece or if you want to stay for the entire show, because the amount of football knowledge that you have is second to none. Well, I, I, I surely appreciate the, the kind words and the invite. As we spoke before, I'm, I'm definitely game for that. Um, you know, the, I'd love to, to help the Happy Hour Network or whomever would have me. I love to talk ball. I'm not afraid to challenge anybody, so... As long as no one has their sensitive pants on and we can talk it and you can let me fly, <laughs> I'm in there like somewhere. <laughs> Let's get it going, yeah. man. I'm excited. No, no, no doubt. We just, uh, as, as always, everyone is always wearing their big boy pants. So there we go. Bucko, that's what I'm talking what's about. What's the best way to, best way to get in contact with you, Bucko Bruce? Uh, I am a Twitter loudmouth. Uh, I can be offensive, but if you want to get on there and follow me and talk with me at, at Bucko Bruce eighty three. 
Uh, Facebook, same, backslash Bucko Bruce 83. Uh, Gmail, Bucko.Bruce83 at Gmail. Uh, get at me. Let's chop it up. One time for my boy Bucko Bruce. <laughs> Bucko, as always, thank you so much. And we're going to close yeah. this show out, folks. Um, Bucko, we're going to speak offline, but we're going to close it out with change and speak. And we say good night to all. We love you. Thank you so much.